Hey everyone, welcome back to episode 33 of the Three Things Podcast. This is a super awesome episode. I say that a lot, but this one is fantastic. I have Sue Falsoni on. She is an athletic trainer, a physical therapist, a strength coach. She has all the accolades. She now runs her own company called Structure and Function. We talk a little bit about that. We talk a little bit about her career development. We talk about how important it is to have an outlet away from your career and kind of what maybe defines you. This is a fantastic episode. Sue is a high energy individual. I'm so happy that she took some time to talk to me on the three things. I hope we can do this again, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Uh, my name is Sue Falsoni. I am a physical therapist, athletic trainer, and strength coach. Um, currently, I own Structure and Function Education, which um, right now is the dry company, but we are going to be expanding that into um, bridging the gap from rehab to performance type uh, education as well. I just uh, wrote a book with that exact title, Bridging the Gap from Rehab to Performance. Um, so a lot of education surrounding the book will be coming out soon. That's awesome. Um, I, I listened to your podcast with Todd Bumgarner. You're on the Strength Action Podcast. You talked a lot about the book. Um, so I'll definitely link that up in the show notes for those that are listening. Um, you know, I think Todd asked a lot of great questions about the book and what it's about and who it's for. So um, I'll just put the spark notes there. But I do want to start with the first thing. And this is something that um, I've always kind of wondered. And I, I was at a workshop with Tony Gentlecore in Boston last month and, and kind of talked to him a little bit privately about the same question. Um, well, what point in your career, you know, like your first, I guess, I think it was your first product was the shoulder, um, the DVD. Um, and at what point in your career did you kind of know like, Hey, I, or, I, or feel competent enough. Like what were the signs that you felt good about kind of, educating, like switching the role from practitioner to an educator? Uh, that's a great question. I, um, I, I don't know when exactly I felt that because it like, there's a lot of times even to this day when I'm speaking and I think, oh gosh, like what are these people going to learn from me? <laughs> like I have nothing new to say. So sometimes I still don't quite feel like an educator. Um, but I do remember it must've been I don't know, probably five years even before the shoulder DVD came out, I was talking with Rachel and Alan Cosgrove um, and we were at a Perform Better in Long Beach and we were talking about my lack of, of product. And Rachel and Alan were like, you, you, if you don't put out a product by this time next year, like we're going to be angry at you because <laughs> like, you're out there and you're speaking and then you're not giving people something to follow up with They're like you're almost doing a disservice to people and they really called me out on it and um i was always thankful for that conversation i did not have a product to put out the following year but i did i think two or three years after that conversation was when the shoulder came out and um it 
yeah, I really am thankful for them to kind of kind of push me into that way because I really kind of felt like I don't I don't have anything interesting to say. And they were like, yes, you do. Like your people are listening and they're looking to you for a very specific perspective. And um, so, yeah, thanks to them I, is why I kind of started going going down that road. Was was there a, a different thought process from like a DVD based lecture product to the book? Like, you you know, it's a different type of education platform, different experiences. Sue Falsoni, you know, for the first DVD wasn't the same Sue Falsoni for the book, but was there anything that you kind of like expected, whether it was just like content creation, writing, like what, what was different from the book from the shoulder? Yeah. The DVDs for me were pretty simple. Um, you know, we just got a camera and a microphone and some friends in my yoga studio and I just <laughs> talked and I just did what I did. And it was almost really, really simple and pretty intuitive because I just was showing what I do. Um, the book was a two year process and an absolute labor of love. And it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, it was one of those things where I, when you have to put it down into words, it has to be so organized, so specific, um, because there can't be any room for interpretation, right? Like I was always worried, like, how can this sentence be interpreted? Or if I got the physiology just slightly wrong, like that's going to be written down forever. Like it's, Sometimes if you say something, people kind of gloss over a sentence that maybe if you don't get it exactly perfect when you're speaking to it, people kind of are a little bit more forgiving. But when it's written in words, people are like, whoa, that's not right. That's absolutely wrong. That's the wrong physiology. So I was really, really concerned about getting it right. Um, And so it was a much more labor intensive project and it was much more stressful. There's my dog. Sorry. I didn't. It's a dog friendly podcast. Totally fine. Um, but yeah, it was, it was uh, way more stressful, way more intensive, way more specific and way more organized. Cause again, when you, when you put things into words, it's just, it's one of those things that, um, you can't leave open to interpretation and you don't want to right there. Your words that are going to be in print forever. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it was quite a different process. Um, and yeah, I'm happy that it's in the past. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's something that I, I, I obviously am a younger coach in, in the industry. Um, you know, I've always just thought it was kind of like, I don't know, like I, I like, I just, what, what are the signs? Like, what are the, what are the points that I love? Like, I guess it's, that's a good friend, Alan and the Cosgroves, like just kind of like putting you on the spot and challenging you. Like those are good friends and good people to keep company. And it's funny how it's like a simple conversation like that can really be the, the nudge you need to get going in a direction that maybe you didn't think you could go. For sure. Um, so my second thing was we moved through the list of three. It's always three things. And I, I don't really know why. I think I just don't have the attention span for anything much more than that. It's great. Um, <laughs> so like, okay. And I don't, again, this is, I, it's funny. I have the, the question written down, but I can never really ask it the way it's written because it's typically ideas. So as a, a clinician, athletic trainer, physical therapist, strength coach, what, what's some advice in, in hindsight's always twenty twenty, but that's why I'm asking the question. Looking back, hindsight being twenty twenty, what would be the advice you would give a 21-year-old Sue Falsoni, maybe going into PT school or kind of finishing undergrad as you kind of 
dabble with, you know, kind of moving away from undergraduate studies. Um, like I was kind of talking to you before, there's a lot of young individuals that listen to this, a lot of students. Um, this is probably the number one question that people ask me to ask people like you, um, is what's some kind of feedback you would give your younger past self? Yeah. Um, you know, my, I'm old, so my undergrad was physical therapy, which okay. you can no longer do. <laughs> so I was pretty focused in undergrad um, because all of my undergraduate stuff had to be done basically in the first two years. So I basically did four years of undergrad in two years and then did physical therapy school the last two years. So I had pretty, I had a very, very different undergraduate experience than most people. Um, and so I think it was, I think the best advice I would kind of give myself back then um, would be to continue to enjoy the process. I get so many emails from, um, from students and from younger clinicians and younger professionals who are so, who are super goal oriented. And I think that's awesome, right? I'm, I'm goal oriented too. And I think we all are, and that's what makes us driven and successful. And that's great. But I think sometimes we can lose sight of the process and lose sight of the journey, which I know sounds super stereotypical, but I think as I continue to get older, as I continue to get more experience, I, I have such less attachment to the next thing as I do to the process that I'm in right now, moving towards that next thing. And so I think that especially like with undergrads, I have a couple um, young women that are, that I stay in touch with and that email me and, and all of their questions are, well, you know, I'm a, I just started school and it's day one and what internships and what do I need to do blah, 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 in order to get the job that you have? And I'm like, first of all, take a deep breath, enjoy undergrad. <laughs> yeah. And kind of remember that, you know, I think sometimes people forget that I didn't just wake up one day and become the head athletic trainer for the LA Dodgers. I mean, I got that job in 2012. That was a full 20 years after I graduated high school, right? So I graduated college in 1996. I got that job in 2012, right? So it, it was a long time before I got that job. Like you just don't walk into some of these positions. I mean, sometimes you do, but sometimes you don't. And so it might be 10, 15, 20 years till you get that job of your dreams. So don't negate everything that you're doing right now and, and the process that it, you're working on in order to possibly land you where you eventually want to be. Um, you know, those, those things don't happen like the minute that you graduate from undergraduate school. So um, enjoy, enjoy the process is like the biggest thing I can think of. Yeah. Be in the now, be in the now yeah. and love it. Be That's awesome. That's awesome advice. <laughs> That's awesome. Do you really pull that back up? That's awesome. Well, it looks, it's on my middle finger, so I don't want it to make it look like I'm giving you. The <laughs> Sorry. I pull, I just pull the audio. <laughs> Perfect. I'm sure there's some people on here that are, that are like, just, you know, give me a finger anyway. Um, and it's faded. Okay. So it looks like it says 30%, but it says. <laughs> That's awesome. So my, this, is, this is the question of questions. This is the third thing. I've never, and I, I wondered if you could pick up on it. I've never had a glass of wine before. What do I start with? Oh my goodness. That's such a great question. This is, this oh. is I've been waiting to ask this question. Oh Where do I start? Gosh, what do you 
start with? That is a wonderful <laughs> question. So, yeah, I am an absolute huge wino. Um, wine is my exit strategy. Um, it will be my second career in some way. I don't exactly know how, but um, I've actually done a lot of studying and um, taken some level one sommelier exams and kind of all of that stuff. So um, those of you who don't know me, that's why he's asking that question because I'm a huge wino and I, every Wednesday I post Wine Down Wednesdays. Today's Wine Down Wednesday. That's today's Wine Down Wednesday. It's, it's only two o'clock your time, but I mean, why not? It's Wine Down Wednesday. You can drink wine. Yeah. Wine. It's Wine Down Wednesday. I'm, um, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> if it was a little later at East Coast time, I've, I'd probably be cracking a nice Vermont <laughs> brew right now, but um, I'm going to have to wait a couple more hours. Um, uh, but actually though, like, so like how important has that been, you know, like having an outside interest away from like what, what you, you probably are quote unquote known for, you know, like what, how important has that been? And, and what is that like, yeah, it's just how important is that? Yeah, it's, it's been really important for me. I think that, like, you know, like my, like three personal things, I think wine and, uh, you know, I'm learning a lot about wine and I, you know, we joke about it that like, that I end up drinking a lot of wine, but, but like, I'm a nerd about it. Like, that's how big of a nerd I am is that I turn drinking into school that like, I'm taking classes about wine. Like I'm such a nerd. Um, and so, yeah, it's not just about drinking the wine, although that's a fun part of it, but you know, it's a lot about farming and soil and chemistry and sort of, you know, what goes into the production of it. It's a super nerdy, really cool process when you get into it. And so that, that's why I like it. And, um, when you're like kind of up in the wineries in Napa and in Sonoma, a lot of the people who own wineries are from the medical professional because there is so much science to it, um, that it's sort of a really kind of natural overlap that when you really start to kind of study it they sort of go hand in hand. Um, and so, yeah, like that between that and I've, I've been trying to learn the guitar, um, which has just been a long process as well. And I'm not very good at it, but you know, I can play a few chords. Um, and then like yoga and meditation, like those three things and to kind of have those three things to kind of, um, and my dog, I absolutely am obsessed with my wiener <laughs> dog named Richard. Um, <laughs> So those four things really, you know, to have those things to kind of step away from the profession a little bit, even though yoga and meditation are kind of within the profession, um, but to have those things to step away and kind of just to use a completely different part of your brain um, is really important to me um, and to kind of have, you know, just kind of a little bit of a separation and to kind of even have a separate group of friends that really don't know what I do. Um, but kind of like in the wine community, it's, it's really kind of cool to just sort of be able to to not talk shop sometimes and just kind yep. of, you know, sit around with a different group of friends. So that's been, that's been really fun and really important to, to me. So, um, but to get back to your question about what I, you should try first is, um, uh, I am sorry, that's another thing coming through. Um, I would suggest starting with like a light, easy red, like a Pinot Noir. Okay. Uh, and, well, like I get the pen. Yep. And okay. I am, I can show you the bottle, but like my absolute favorite Pinot Noir, it's a little bit expensive, but it's really, really nice, um, is an en route. It's called en route, E-N-R-O-U-T-E. So two different words, en route, Pinot Noir. And it's from their um, Les Palmiers. It's, that's what it's called, the Les Palmiers. I don't know if that's their specific vineyard, but that is my, one of my absolute favorite Pinot Noirs. It's a bit expensive, I will admit, um, but it's fantastic. And, um, but your other good 
bet would be to get a Pinot Noir really kind of anywhere from um, the Willamette Valley in Oregon. Um, so those are all going to be just really nice, easy drinking Pinot Noirs um, that are going to be at a much nicer price point than that Unroot. Um, okay. But yeah, that is where I would start is with a nice light easy red and see how you like it. <laughs> second part, second part to the third part, you're giving a bottle of wine to a friend. What do you, what are the do's and don'ts when giving wine? Oh, you know, Just, um, these questions are going to help a lot of people, by they the way. They are going to help a lot of people. <laughs> you know, my rule of thumb is to give people stuff that I, I mean, I just give people stuff that I like. So bottom line, it doesn't matter if it's a $10 bottle or a $50 bottle. It, it, what matters is, is that you like it. And so don't get wrapped up in like, oh, is this a good bottle or a bad bottle? It, it doesn't matter. If you like it, it's a good bottle. So don't get like all wrapped up in the nerdiest and the snobbiness that wine sometimes can be. Like I try to make wine super approachable and just be like, this is my favorite $12 bottle of Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand. It's my go-to Saturday afternoon wine and I absolutely love it and it's $12.99. Enjoy. Um, you know, and, and so it's really just about what you like. So I just always give people what I like. That doesn't mean that they're gonna like it, but um, but yeah, I just give people and I that goes for all gift giving. A lot of times I give people like my favorite, I kind of feel like from an Oprah standpoint, like like my favorite things. I'm like, oh, slippers. I want everyone I know to have them. So yeah. I just kind of do like Sue's favorite things and give that to everybody. <laughs> I do the same thing in the land of craft beer. It's like, well, I like these four. So I'm going to bring what I like. So maybe people will like it. If not, I'm going to have a good time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> you don't like it, I'll take it back. <laughs> That's, uh, I'll tell you what. I, I, I'm serious. I really think those two questions, there's people that are going to be like, holy shit. And they, those are like the only things, things where people write down is like, okay, this is what I do. For this is how I approach wine because so many times my wife will be like, "Hey, you know, we're going over to so and so's housewarming party, or we're going to here, or there. Like, what do we do?" I'm like, "Bottle of wine." Yeah, no totally. Idea. No um, idea. I'm so lost. Absolutely. Just think region. So, like, typically, like a Pinot Noir from Willamette Valley in Oregon, you're gonna be fine. Like a Cabernet from Napa, you're gonna be fine. Um, a Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand, you're going to be fine. So just think like grape in a region and you're typically going to be fine. Boom. Talking wine, wine down Wednesday. With yeah, wine down Wednesday. I love it. It's so fabulous. <laughs> where can, um, you alluded to some of the other things that a structure and function, but where can people find more Sue Falsoni? Yes. So um, go to SueFalsoni.com right now. That's where all of the stuff are. <laughs> yep. Nice and easy. <laughs> um, and that's where all the bridging the gap from rehab to performance stuff is. Sign up for the newsletter, sign up for the pre preview of the book. Um, and then structureandfunction.net is where all my dry needling stuff is right now. We'll eventually combine those two things. But right now, um, those are the two places to find me. Um, social media, super easy as well. Just my name, Sue Falsoni. I'm on LinkedIn, Facebook, uh, Instagram and Twitter. Although I think I've maxed out my Facebook limit. So don't be mad if I don't accept your friendship because I don't think I can on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm going to put all that in the show notes. Um, Sue Falsoni, thank you so much for making the time. Uh, I appreciate it. And hopefully we will connect again at some point down the road. I hope so. I really appreciate everything you're doing on social media. I love following what you're doing. So thank you so much for your contributions. I appreciate it. 
Hi everyone, it's Casey again. I just want to say thank you so much for listening to this week's episode, and I want to ask you a huge favor. I don't ask for a lot of favors, but if you could, whatever you're listening to this podcast through, iTunes, Google Play Music, SoundCloud, if you could take a minute and just go write a review, I would really appreciate it. I don't get any bonus points or anything like that for it, but I really think it would help get the word out, and if this podcast has helped you, it might help someone else, and it'll do a better job of getting that word out to who might need it.